look at applying what I have went over within the past four weeks. So we'll, we'll be looking at some application through all this. <clears throat> the first thing that I taught on was on struggling with our own behaviors and whether or not we wanted to uh, correct our, our behaviors that weren't godly so that we would leave a positive legacy. During that period, we actually looked at the scriptures and reflected on Judah's sexual sin and how that was passed on to one of his own sons and how his son died because that behavior was passed on. Then we looked at Genesis in Genesis of Abraham and how he passed Abraham passed on one of his own behaviors of telling the kings in the areas that he went to that Sarah was his daughter. And how the scripture shows that Isaac took that, own, that behavior on and said that Rebekah was also his sister. And how that behavior was a struggling future for both of them and passed on through the generations. So we took that time and we looked at those behaviors and how we have to put it aside and correct as my mom, my aunts all taught us the generation after them, take what we did good, apply it, and do away with what we did bad and what you want to correct. So I challenged you guys that week to take these little bookmarks, if you will, that say struggling future or positive legacy and apply them to certain behaviors that you may have in your home that you don't want to pass on to your children. I still have quite a few of these, and if you want one after the service, you can come and get one. But we also looked at Second Timothy 3, and we looked at how Timothy and how the scripture and what Paul wrote about Timothy taught that he took on that positive, faithful legacy of his mother and his grandmother. The second part of the series, we talked about engaging our children. We looked at how God engaged us, how He still engages us today personally, and how He taught us through His own behaviors. And in the creation of the world, for six days He created heaven and earth and all that was in it. And then on the seventh day, He rested. I applied that day, the seventh day, to make sure that fathers and mothers took that day And worked within their home to get to know their children. God says don't go outside your realm. Don't do any laborious work. And in that, in this biblical application of parenting, I challenged all of us to look. If God does it through his own behaviors, how can we do it? By getting to know our children. That week we looked at examples of how different people choose different things to play with their kids. Some chose Uno, some chose Dominoes, and some chose Monopoly. And our children all have different personalities. My daughters, Rebecca and Hannah, they have totally different personalities. I think I had it easier on the first one than on the second. Which means I'm going to have to spend a little bit more time with my second child. But it it takes that engagement in getting to know our children personally to have that influence 
to actually build that relationship so we can make sure when they're off path that we can correct them and they'll listen to us. Because without relationships or engaging our children and knowing who they are, we won't really have the full impact. And God, if we're walking with Him faithfully, He has a lot stronger impact on us, especially if we get off the righteous path. The third part of the series that we looked at, we're setting the boundaries and expectations. I talked about the importance of communication and making it clear for our children on what to expect. Because without clear understanding and expectations, our children can very easily be confused. And I'll tell you this, by experiencing and working with families for over a decade now, the world outside of God's Word is getting more and more and more confusing for children. Things are starting to blend that have I can't remember have ever been blended before. People can go into restrooms when they weren't born a certain sex anymore because they identify with the opposite sex. That's not what God says. He clearly, within His Word, actually makes sure to establish clear and cut, clear-cut boundaries. So within that service, I looked at Exodus 16, um, and we saw how God provided for His children. He gave them exact instructions on just how much manna to pick up in the morning and to gather to the house for each person. In that passage, we also saw how God said He would test them to see if they would follow the instructions. And the same way that it's okay to make sure our children are following our instructions. And then we looked at the Beatitudes in Luke 6 and how God set those boundaries. Here's, here's what you cannot do. And here, here we see that you can earn rewards. And this is where you can go with this. And this is how to be a good, a good son or a good daughter. The next one, as I was just talking about, we're about the rewards and the consequences that we set for our children. I talked about the rewards in a, in a way that actually uh, some people got a little bit confused because they said, over the past week I was able to talk to a few people and they said, did you say reward your children for everything? And um, I want to clear that up. I didn't say reward your children for everything. For being part of a family. And this is uh, shown in Leviticus 26, 1 through 12. Being part of a family is just what God expects of us. So am I going to reward my child for making their bed? Absolutely not. Am I going to reward them for mowing the lawn? Absolutely not. Am I going to feed them because of that? Am I going to clothe them because they're following my rules? Absolutely. But I'm also going to set higher expectations for some of them and allow them to earn rewards. And that's what I was saying as we looked at Luke 6, 31 through 36. God says, this is how you get to be part of the team. And if you just sit there and you just make your bed and you just mow the lawn or you just dust the house as your mom or dad expect you to, then all I'm going to do is provide what's needed. 
But God says, if you want to get in here and be active, these are ways that you can store up treasures in heaven. If you go to the widow, if you go to the orphan and work with them, if you actually um, help a brother or sister that needs clothing or food, that's how you store up those treasures. That's what I was trying to come across during that part of the series. It's extra work. It's the behavior. It also looks at the heart of who our children are. And that's what we've got to be paying attention to is the heart of our children so that way we can help motivate them to become doers and not just sitters sitting in the assembly of God. Then we talked about consequences and as I was just saying, we looked at the heart of correction just because we don't want to look at the the other part where they're done away with and they're going into the pits of Sheol. But the heart of correction, we've got to teach our children how to love correction. And that's not very easy. When somebody comes to us and says, I'm a little bit concerned about a behavior, how do we actually, do we embrace that? Do we step aside and look at our behaviors? Because that's what we need to be showing our children, that we're open to correction and how to change a certain behavior. And let me tell you this. When you change a behavior, your husband, your wife, your friends, they will start to know, hey, what? something changed with you. What happened? And the person that actually came to you and said, hey, this may need to change, you can point to them and say, you know what? I have a good friend in that person. Hey, Matt, Matt showed me or told me, hey, the way that I was treating my wife or my children wasn't exactly biblical. So I started to change that, right? So that that allows people to see that I'm open to change. And we've got to be open to change if we're going to be molded into his image. We looked at the heart, as I, I suggested. We looked at that passage in Matthew 20, 1 through 16, and the entitlement of the workers in the field, and how I pointed out entitlement is just human nature, something that we say that this generation struggles with, well, even in the scriptures, God used that. Jesus used that as a parable. And we see that they struggled with it. Then finally, we talked about legacy and how in Third John 1, 2 through 4, it talks about it's not a, a treasure stored up in heaven, but it's definitely a blessing to see our children walking and striving and working in the truth of God. Seeing them uh, do what we've worked and toiled for for so many years is a blessing when they actually do it. So today, what we're going to do is we're going to apply some of this. I'm going to give you some ideas on how to work with your children in this way. Um, this I have given examples on each Sunday of how to do this, but today I will challenge you and myself to memorize Scripture so we can be prepared to share with our children why we behave and ask them to do different things and giving them specifics. So if we can identify where within these Scriptures it is that we're telling them and why we're applying it to our homes, it will help us. It will give us that backing that God wants us to apply to them. And hopefully one day they will apply it to their own children. Turn over to, uh, if you will, Proverbs chapter 4, 
And while you're turning there, I want to talk about the preparation of a parent. A lot of times, in what I do as a, a therapist for family and children, I see how parents are so tired and they're just running and they're, they're just trying to pick up the pieces and they're not preparing to teach their children. They are just living day by day and not getting ahead. And I'm telling you right now, you have to get ahead as a parent if you want to make sure and be intentional in the way that you guide your children. So as you guys are in Proverbs, I want to remind you that in Ephesians 6, 4, it says, Fathers, and I can apply this to mothers too, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So as I was saying, you don't want to frustrate your children. You want to apply certain things. And that's, that's one reason I want to share with you guys today how different ages have different uh, attention spans, if you will. And one thing that I've noticed and that I've worked on even in here that Kara said she wouldn't have, have probably picked up on or did if she wasn't married to me, but it's because of my education and my background that I knew that having younger ones wouldn't work sitting in here 30, 40 minutes during service. So I was telling her when we had Rebecca, after about six months or a year, I said, we need to come up with a bag because we're going to have to be able to entertain her. And this, this actually came to mind, not just because of my education, but my parents. I remember being a kid. Now, we have these nice comfy chairs, but the pews were hard, and I did not like sitting in them whenever I was a child. So what I did, and they allowed me to, they allowed me to roll up underneath them and actually fall asleep during service. But I don't want that for my kids. I want them to participate to some extent and know what's going on. So we came up with this bag because I don't want to frustrate my child. And one thing that we put in there, that Suzer, right, is a baby. I think Mary found this in one of my examples earlier this month. But now I have two little girls... So we have two babies in here. And one thing I also added whenever they started to teethe was a teething piece. And then, again, for the younger ones. But I also wanted them to be able to write and do things. So we added this little other piece that they could doodle on. Now, how many of you doodle during services? There's quite a few, right? And that's okay. It's actually shown that doodling will uh, enhance the memory at times. But another little thing I love to do at home is I, I got little books. And these books are all about God and God's creation or different stories within the Bible. So we have these for her because I don't want to frustrate her again. And just about six months ago, I found a Bible that I really, really liked. And we put it in there. So I'm starting to transition her. I'm making sure that she grabs her Bible, and this is in it every week. But she uses it throughout the week. We'll read scriptures from it, right? So basically, I make sure she has it. She's gotten to the age she knows what the Bible is. And it goes in the bag every Sunday morning. But as we do this, I'm able to make sure she's not frustrated during the service. And as she gets older, we're going to move away from the bag. 
and she's just carrying her Bible. Why? Because there's pictures in here. I found a Bible very similar to mine when I was a kid, and I flipped over it, and I'm like, I'm loving it now um, with all these great pictures in it. See, but I can move away because of her age at certain times. The bag will go away, and the Bible is what we'll just have coming. It's knowing your children and applying what you know to them to engage them in God's truth. And guess what? This bag that I showed you guys, only on Sundays. That's the only time she got to read those books. The only time that these baby dolls showed up, these were Sunday-going bags. And when we're done having children, and I see somebody else with children of that age, I probably will pass this along. Because I only want it used during Sundays. So I've set that aside. Now, I know what you're thinking. These bags are great, especially the wives in here. These bags are great. I think I need to get one for my husband. Right? And it's because husbands don't always listen and they're not always content with where we're at. But there are certain things that we all carry with us whenever we start. We need to be intentional. And so, it is in Proverbs 4, 20 through 23, that we read now. My son, give attention to my word. Incline your ear to my savings. Do not let them depart from your sight. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them, and health to all their body. Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flows the spring of life. Put away, so, 20 through 23, so from it flows the springs of life. I'm telling you, if this doesn't come to life for your children and what you're doing, what you're practicing in your homes, it will never come to life and fruition for them. You've got to make this practical to them. And that's what I'm trying when I set up that bag for Rebecca, making it practical to her, making her want to come to church. And every Saturday night after Shabbat, she knows we're going to get these things out. We're going to church tomorrow. And I'm starting to see how some of that fruit that I've been laboring in is coming to fruition with her because she's getting excited and she's looking forward to seeing so many of you in church that Sunday. But within that context, I'm watching her heart. I'm watching what she does. And at home, you may not realize it because I can't do music like Jeff or Alan, but I love to dance. But I do have two left feet. So I dance with her at home and she loves it. Because it says, where the heart goes, there you will be also in some of the uh, different passages of Proverbs. So she loves to dance. And most of you noticed that I used to be in the second row with my family. Well, Rebecca started to want to dance at church. So I made sure I moved to the last row because I don't want to extinguish her will and want to dance. But I want to make sure that her heart isn't doing it for other people. So I moved to the back, and I allow her to dance. And does she dance every Sunday? No, not at all. But when she does, she'll do a couple twirls, and 
I want to make sure that she's doing it for the right reasons. Not only that, I know she'll be going with me when she gets older to the UMJC conferences, and they dance. And guess where she'll probably be? She'll feel right at home with those people who dance, unlike her father who has two left feet and is Southern Baptist. So, <clears throat> But I also know that applying that same scripture about where your heart is and where you will be also, that was applied to me during my childhood, or I should say my teenage years. If you'll turn over to Proverbs 3, just a few pages over. I began to understand that proverb about your heart and where you will be also. And that teaches us, right? I had the true love waits experience when I was a teenager. And the fact is, where I found my heart and was giving it away time after time, I was sure to follow in that path with that other person. And they applied that scripture there, and I watched myself go from here to there because I was known as a missionary dater. But was it healthy? It wasn't healthy. So in Proverbs 3, 5 through 8, if you're going to apply the scripture in that way, I really wish they would have applied this, this passage with it. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. So if you take that one passage where it says... Um, where your heart is, you will also be. And you apply this, lean not on your own understanding, teenager. Listen, follow his ways, and you won't sway to the right or to the left, but you will be straight in his path. You will always be walking in his ways. I would challenge you, whenever you're looking at these scriptures, to look at the true meaning and helping it Find the way to righteousness so that our children do not have to struggle where we struggled in the past, but they can go ahead of us in the future. Turn over to, uh, we're going to talk about learning memory verses and why it's so important. Proverbs 1 7 through 9. There's so many good ones in Proverbs that I would challenge you to learn some. So whenever you're quoting it to your your children, you can actually give them the address. I know addresses are hard for many people, including myself, but it's really important if we can do that so our children can turn straight to it and see where we actually get God's Word and how we're applying it. So Proverbs 1, 7-9 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Indeed, they are graceful, a graceful wreath on your head and ornaments about your neck. You can't have your children thinking that they want to listen to you without the engagement, getting to know who they are. You just won't apply it the same way. So, if you're not spending time with them, This passage won't come to fruition. And they won't listen to the father's instructions or the mother's teaching. We have to spend time with them. 
we want them to actually apply these scriptures, we've got to apply them ourselves. Take the time, get to know your children, be able to say when they're 14 or 15 or 16 or they're almost out of high school and they're going away to college, that they're listening to the father's instructions and to the mother's teachings. What's that cause? That causes a legacy in the future. Turn over to Exodus 20, if you will. We'll look at one of the Ten Commandments. And so many times, people quote this to their children. But I also want you to be able to tell your children that from the time you actually established your household in Joshua 24:15, we established this household even before you were born or conceived. And we said that, as for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. The Lord of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We will serve Him. You see, and that's why you've been a blessing to us, but that's why I have to follow in God's instructions. We've set this up even from before you were born, child. Before you were my daughter or my son. So, let me tell you, little one, when you're frustrating me, you need to listen to me, and let me tell you exactly where that comes from. That comes from one of the Ten Commandments. Exodus 20:12 says, Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be prolonged in the land. You see, God's telling you, basically, Child, you're frustrating me, but I'm going to tell you, you have to honor me, and I'm supposed to honor him. So I don't have a choice. I've heard parents, I love this, that I've heard parents actually say to their children, if I don't get you to do what I've told you, I'm not even honoring God. So you must obey me, right? Especially from zero to three, it's just about having the relationship and getting them to listen to you. Later on, you're going to have other conversations. But we have to learn that obedience first to see where their heart is and where, how we can change them. That is in the formative years. So, that's a passage I would challenge you to learn. I wouldn't just learn just that one about uh, honoring your father and your mother, but learn all ten. I'm going to challenge myself in the next year to be able to quote all these. Um, I know where to find them. I just need to memorize them and put them in my memory. 1 Thessalonians 5:15 through 18 says, See that no one repays another with evil for evil, but always seek after that which is good for one another and for all people. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I started with this verse because Kara's teaching it to Rebecca, and it was all about give thanks to God in everything. And then I went back a little bit and I realized, huh, it talks about even repaying evil for evil. How many of us have kids that just don't get along sometimes? They, we all do. Rebecca doesn't always get along with Hannah. I'm sure Alan's three don't always get along. Oh, they're perfect. Okay, well, let me pick just on mine then. 
<laughs> when Rebecca does something and Hannah's playing with it and she goes and takes it from her, I should be able to say, is that really nice? You know, she's not able to conceptualize right now the words, if I, if you will. But I should be able to say, you're not really supposed to do something to your sister that you're not just because you're mad at her. You don't re- want to repay something bad for bad. You want to be something nice. If she's doing something to you, can you be nice to her anyways? And at the same time, I know from 1 Thessalonians that it says, do not repay evil for evil. And as I said earlier uh, in the series, this is one of those things where you can store up treasures in heaven because of the fact that somebody that does evil to you, God says, do good things to them. Pray for them. That's one way we store up. That's one thing that we do better than what other people say, and that's how we shine light in this world. So that passage right there talks about uh, not doing, repaying evil for evil. And why do we do this? In um, in Luke six thirty one, the scripture actually says, "Treat others the same way you want them to treat you." That's a pretty good one. Memorize that one. I've got that one down pat now. Um. But at the same time, we, we do good for those who do evil against us because in Micah 6, 8, or even what we read earlier, we know whom we have believed. And we entrust to Him what we do and the treasures that we store up with Him. In Micah 6, 8, I truly believe all of us need to be working on this passage of Scripture Because it tells us how to walk by the way. How to stay within His boundaries and His guidelines. And what we are to do when we see somebody else doing injustice. It says, He has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you. Daughters, sons, this is what the Lord requires of you. But to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. These are actions to do justice. Making sure nobody else is taking advantage. There's a lot of bullying on campuses today. I need you, daughter. I need you, son, to make sure that you're still loving those people because that's not justice what's going on. I need you to love kindness and that's the action of going and befriending somebody who doesn't have a whole lot of friends. Now, the next part is about the heart. To walk humbly with your God. Parents, you've got to pay attention to your child's heart. Because without that, you won't know. Without that relationship, you don't know if they're walking humbly. Or are they prideful? Or are they just going by the way, living day by day? It's the relationship that will allow you to see what's going on with them. Galatians 5.22-23 through 23 will actually teach us how we need to be behaving in front of our children. And I know there are many, many families in this congregation, and I wish that many more in the Christian community would practice this. We've got to hold ourselves to this standard. For in Galatians 5.22 it says, Be the fruit of the Spirit, 
And the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. You see, if you're practicing each and every one of these, the fruits of the Spirit, then our children will practice them as well. And we've got to be able to... uh, I was just talking to a friend not too long ago who was frustrated about a situation. And they were trying to help their their child get some things that were needed medically. And even in the the midst of having meetings, because they've been teaching this to their children, this one passage, he had to be reminded, and he was reminded, I'm getting frustrated, but how do I continue to show goodness and kindness and love within the midst of this meeting? Because you know... If you have medical meetings ever, you know they're frustrating because they go nowhere and people are always making excuses. It's this person's fault and this person's fault. It's not mine who's sitting in front of you. Get in front of those people and they blame it on the other person. It's frustrating. But are we continuing to show that love, joy, peace? Are we showing patience and giving it to God? That's where we have to give it to Him a lot of times because our patience grows weary and we have to turn to him to ask him to get the holy spirit to work for us as our flesh works against us and our frustrations so turn over to philippians 4 our children are going to struggle in this world They're going to have parts of the world that are sad. Some will struggle with anxiety. But we can find the scriptures that console us, that actually comfort us. And Philippians 5, 4, 5 through 7 actually say this. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We need to memorize that one. So whenever our children are struggling with a situation, we can point to taking it to Christ. We can point to taking it to the Heavenly Father who actually can comfort us. But I want to point out within this passage as well that in Philippians 4, 5, the one who's going to struggle the most is the one that's most tender-hearted. It says, Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The gentle spirit, the gentle uh, perception, the gentleness of a child's heart can struggle even more than the hardened heart. Because it's, it's the personality of that person to care for somebody else. And when we see somebody bullying somebody else on the playground, that's a good spirit to have as a gentle spirit. Because we can go over to them, right, and practice the, the fruit of the spirit. But I just wanted to point out that the spirit of one who has a tender heart is one that may be struggling and anxious in more ways than others. In 1 Peter 5, 6 through 7, it says, Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time, 
casting your anxiety on him because he cares for you. My child, when you worry and you're anxious, know that the Heavenly Father from actually does care for you. And that's pointed out in 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7. So, one thing that I want to challenge us on. <clears throat> Become good storytellers. Know this word, this precious word of God that He has given to us so well that you don't have to turn back to the passages, but you can tell stories. I don't know about any of you, but I can think back, and my grandfather is an amazing storyteller. He could tell me about trains that he hopped to get back home to Oklahoma from California, what he experienced with all the hobos, and what was going on, and how he was fed through those journeys. And those stories, they came to life to me. I was experiencing them right with him because he made them so rich. I challenge you to become a good storyteller of the scriptures. It will draw our younger children in if you can do this. It will give them the ability to see it come to life in their own minds. I would challenge you with those who have boys, learn the stories of Joshua, of David, and all the warriors. When you sit there and you tell them about how David was a shepherd, start with that of he's facing Goliath. But let me first tell you, child, about how he was a shepherd and how God actually molded him into a great warrior. Draw those scriptures. There's so much we can expand on. And Hollywood gets it wrong most of the time. But there's so much we can um, use within the scriptures and make it accurate and make it real in their minds. I have girls. I've got to make the stories of Ruth and Esther, the princesses in the Bible, of Mary who actually bore the baby Jesus. I have to make those real and come to life to my daughters. Because they're mimicking other princesses within Disney right now. But I want them to mimic that of Ruth and Esther. I, every year on their birthdays, maybe I'd need to do this more. But I tell them how they actually got their names. The daughter, my daughter's name Rebecca. I tell her about how she was chosen by God. And Hannah, how she cried out to God because she couldn't have children. But she had a heart after him. That's why we chose your name, my daughter. I want to make these stories come to life for them. Because I remember, even as a child, those stories that came to life for me from my grandfather. So, and as we do this, as we put these scriptures to memory, and we're able to do just that, Make it come to life for our children. Hopefully our children will make it come to life for our grandchildren. For it says, as I, re, I reverted back to this last week, in 3 John 1, 2-4, I have no greater joy than this, to hear my children walking in the truth. Practicing these scriptures, there is no greater joy. I've talked to my mother 
And she says, it is amazing to see the granddaughters coming together when there is a need and capturing them in a room by themselves praying for people in need. They are practicing what our parents taught us. These are the things that we should be striving for as parents and as people who are around children. There are many, many more passages of Scripture to learn so that we can quote them to our children. But know that the more you can quote the verses, the more likely you are to practice them in your own behaviors. God gave us the instruction to live by because He desires the best for us. And we should be following His wisdom and not our own. By doing this, we will create positive relationships with our children and we won't frustrate them. And they hopefully one day won't depart from the ways of God for we have brought them up in the instruction of the Lord. So, one day you and I will be gone and will our legacy be passed on to the next generation? I started with a reading of an obituary within the first context. I want to end with this as well, within this series. And it says, There was a welcome home celebration for Ray Nathaniel Lynch in heaven, who was born April 28, 1929. He went to be with his Lord Monday morning, April 3, 2000. Here's his behavior, and then it's going to talk about a legacy. Ray was, a, was an active deacon in the church, Stein Road Baptist Church, for many years. And not only did he serve his Lord openly, but wherever he saw a need, he was quick to be a servant by opening his heart, sometimes in secret. Daddy, your life, your words... Your touch have influenced so many lives in such positive ways. You could never repay, or we could never repay you, or say to you, enough for all you did. But know that in the tender places of our hearts, you have created a haven of love and refuge, and secured the legacy, as I've Talked to you guys about so many times the legacy that even Darissa talked about today with her parents. You have secured a legacy of love for our Lord that lives on in each of us. You see, that legacy is so passionate and so dear to my heart because it's you, my family here at church, and those who I, I come in contact with. That legacy of Ray Lynch is passed on. And I'm standing here today because of him. He's my grandfather. That started this legacy three generations. And I'm not going to let it go. I'm praying that that legacy passes on throughout the generations until Messiah returns. The scriptures, the stories, we've got to make them real. But just like him, we've got to practice. We've got to practice the behaviors of what the scriptures put forth. 
to make sure that that legacy lives on. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Abba, we come before you today.